I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It's very important to these podcasts. My guest today, the host of the Burgundy Zone, Kyle Rodick, is with us. Kyle, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Doug. I can't thank you enough for having me come on here and your great show, one of the finalists that we had for the Best Fan Podcast. So yep. it, I'm in uh, your presence. I can't thank you enough, sir, Doug. You uh, you do a great job. You and Big Pooh, you guys are the, the shiz. Well, I appreciate that. It's it's interesting, and I feel bad. I was going back trying to figure out. I don't know that we've had you on the show before, and for that, I apologize. I think we have done some collabo things, but yeah, just as a guest. I, and so for that, uh, I feel ridiculous. But <laughs> here funny. we are today. I'm curious, how long have you guys had the Burgundy Zone now? You guys were all high school buddies, right? Yeah, well, we weren't really high school buddies. So Reed, I've known Reed since high school. Um, met him back then. He was just as hilarious as he is now. Uh, Hall was friends with my wife, um, and then I met her, and then ended up getting together with a group of guys. And um, and so then after that, I kind of started the Burgundy Zone. Brought Reed on because I knew him since high school. But um, and then finally Hall, I was working with him every day, and we were talking ball, and we would have great conversations. And I was like, dude, why don't you just join the Burgundy Zone? This is ridiculous. Uh, this is stupid. You're a great personality. You know your stuff. You know, Hall has some great and phenomenal takes going back to college or the pros. He really does know his stuff. So uh, he was a great ad. So we've been going for about a couple years, uh, Doug. But, like, it, we really didn't start clicking and doing our own thing, really, until about a year ago. And that's when uh, we really were going up, being consistent with our product every week. Uh, no doubt. And really, I've been, I noticed maybe last month and a half two months the youtube channel is just rocking and rolling well over a thousand views on most of those episodes do you did that correlate do you think with with winning the fan podcast do you uh what do you think has kind of led to that because it really has been i've noticed it's been great um i I wouldn't say it was because i didn't see any uptick after the fan uh award for the podcast i did see it on social media on like twitter and instagram that's where we saw a lot of it. Um, but we have, like, goals set in place for what we want as, like, subscribers and everything, like how we our trajectory did pretty well in May. But as of right now, it's, like, kind of slowing up a little bit. But it's, like, it's really weird. It's, like, you know, it wasn't, like, YouTube didn't get a hit. Everything else did. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube was the one that didn't. I, I can't tell you and attest, like, what it really was, but I guess persistence. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, it takes a lot of persistence. And that leads to my next question. What do you think the average person that's watching these things or listening to these things doesn't understand about what it takes to put out content two, three times a week, every week? I think I think a lot of them do, because especially given the fact that, you know, I think it does take somebody to, it takes a lot of courage for somebody, especially like somebody that's nervous about speaking, especially in front of other people. To be able to do that, it takes a lot. So it's hard for people to do that. And so I, I guess I would say probably about half know what it really, kind of what it takes and how much time it takes and how much, Doug, you know, how much you're really going out and trying to get people to come on. Uh, it's almost like fishing in a way, you know, trying to get these guests to come on. You throw out a bunch of lines and hoping one, hoping one bites. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the podcast. Yes, is is trying to find the guest and 
seeing if we can't work out the times. Uh, it seems odd, but I really enjoy that aspect of it. Really, like, honestly, I can't really think, bef- like, before us, like, who really was, as fan podcast, was getting these types of guests. Like, and I think it's awesome, like, the kind of exposure that we've had, especially, like, we've had the interviews with Jason Wright, right? And, like, having things like that happen with us and, like, being able to interview Julie, being able to interview Doug Williams and Jimmy Moreland, Morgan Moses, and Cam Curl, like, y- y- you don't really... And when you look, sit back and look at it, you're like, holy crap, dude, we're just a fan podcast. You know, like, yeah. we're not supposed to be doing stuff like this. Um, I know you feel the exact same way, especially with you teaming up with Big Poo. Um, yeah. I remember uh, you guys teaming up and you guys clicking right away. Like, you know, it's just crazy when it does happen. It kind of you do feel happy about it, dude, because like you've been working hard at it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was funny with Poo because he came on as a guest. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of stayed. And uh, we've had a lot of fun with it, no doubt. <laughs> You guys clicked. You just you just had it. We did. It, it it came along pretty easy and early, so it was a lot of fun. And it's not All like right. he doesn't have the best equipment, you know. Uh he's got nice. He's, he's yeah. used to having nice equipment. There's no right. doubt. There's no doubt. All right. So I talked to you before you came. We're doing on the show. We're running through positions. We got into wide receiver a little bit last week. This week, I thought you and I could go through O line and running backs. Because while I think most people find the wide receiver room to be the one with the most competition, I think we're going to find today that the O-line room is stacked and it'll be hard to figure out who stays. Let's start with tackle. Uh, Left side, it appears to be Leno starting. Yes, and that should be the best possible aspect for them at left tackle. We graded well last year there at that spot. Um, I am not a fan of like bringing somebody in when there's people working at that spot. You know what I mean? Like basically saying like, we're trying to bring in free agents to overtake somebody who's already been working hard here. But in this sort of scenario where with Cornelius Lucas is like, he's not married to left tackle, right? You know, he's a swing tackle. He can move to both sides. So it would make more sense if his most comfortable spot is the right side. And they go out and get his former teammate and Charles Leno uh, to come over and play left tackle. I think that's probably the best aspect for them. Now let's say let's say Doug that Leno gets hurt. What are you doing then? Are you moving? Are you going to say you're going to put Lucas there at left tackle and then possibly figure out right tackle later on? Uh, yeah, that's interesting because uh, Lucas did not play poorly, right? Uh, last year when he got his opportunities, uh, what we all we had to go by is Leno said he came here because basically he was told the left tackle job was mm-hmm. his which I find interesting because uh, Ron <laughs> swears by competition. Yeah, you're right. We haven't had as much of it as I think he promised us, uh, yeah. at least not on the offensive side. Now, it's interesting, Kyle. I think if I saw this right, they actually had Lucas uh, lining up uh, at right tackle with the starters this week. Now, I know many camp, you know, there's really, what are we talking about here, right? But yeah. Uh, that's an interesting idea to put Lucas at least starting at right tackle. That way, Cosme doesn't have to go right in there. Do you think Cosme will start week one at right tackle? See, and that's where it kind of takes me on my conspiracy lane. Because if Cosme is that good, if he does look that great, you do not want the media being able to have access to that and seeing it and being able to write articles about it. Like, man, Cosme looked great at right tackle there. You want to kind of keep him in your back pocket. I said a lot about this when 
Dwayne Haskins was drafted the same year with Terry McLaurin. And in the preseason games, they didn't have Terry playing with Dwayne. And I remember saying on our pod, like, that's sketchy to me because you would want your rookie quarterback to gel with his former wide receiver that he went to college with. That would make a lot of sense. And the fact that they don't have him out there kind of means that they don't want people to see him and what he's capable of and how he plays. And that's how I kind of feel about Cosme. I definitely think that he ha- he'll have the chance to play right tackle. But my only thing is, like, with Lucas, like you said, he played great last season. Does he yeah. deserve a demotion, in my opinion? I don't, I don't think so. But it comes down to play. And I think that you would feel better from, like, a team aspect if you had Cosme backing up Lucas week one. I feel the same way. I really do. And it, it happens a little bit on the defense. We've seen it more just because of the injuries last year. Yeah. And, and that being when Ron gives you opportunity to play and you take that opportunity to make your most of it, kind of like a Cam Sims did last year, he's been known to reward you for that. So to your point, it seems like it would be the exact opposite of reward if they if they sit Lucas on the bench, at least to start the year. Right, exactly. Are, and that's how he was ahead. last year, right? And that's how he started that's last right. year. And you kind of yeah. can't do that two years in a row, especially how he finished. The other option is Sharp. I'm assuming he'll be a practice squad guy. I think he still has that eligibility. So I would think that that's kind of how they'll go into the season, just those three tackles. The Seems light, but is, I'm uh, not. The big question is Sadiq Charles, Doug. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. We had Sam Fortier on a couple of, uh, maybe about a month ago. I know he was on with you guys recently. At that time, and that was before the Leno signing, yep. he had said that he had heard that they thought and were interested in seeing what he could do at tackle. Now, maybe he's the swing tackle, right? Maybe he, mm-hmm. maybe, and again, the nice thing is I, I do think he can play both, uh, but that's the interesting thing. There are a lot of guards on the roster. Let's switch to it. At guard, we have, I wrote it down, uh, Martin, Sheriff, Schweitzer, Charles, and Flowers. I can't imagine they keep more than four, I mean, four max. Yeah. I would think more like three guards on, on the roster. Yeah, and especially somebody like Sadiq Charles who can play, like we just said, the versatility of being able to play guard and tackle. That's where it kind of helps you to only keep three guards because Sadiq can do both. You kind of there able to use your roster spots for other positions like wide receiver that might be packed or stuff like that. For left guard, dude, I really hope it's Sadiq Charles. Douglas, how long has it been since the left, left guard spot has been figured out? I think like Corey Lichtensteiger was like the last one before Eric Flowers was yeah. here. But, like, left guard has always been an issue. And the, my one hope is that Sadiq Charles comes in and takes that left guard spot. A lot of credit to Wes Schweitzer. I know he did great last year. But I like him more as a backup rather than a starter. I think that if you if you have an injury to your guards and then he comes in, I think you feel good about that. I don't feel great about it going into a game as the starter. So I'm hoping Sadiq takes it because the videos that he uploaded to Twitter of him kind of uh, taking on contact with Jonathan Allen and – honestly stifling him and standing him up that was really impressive and if you kind of have that force at left guard i think this running game could have really big games uh yes always you're hoping that the young guy takes the job uh to your point darren you said it schweitzer played really well last year yep uh so i I can't imagine a way that martin makes the team i mean we're, we're stacked in the guard room and so what's the plan with Flowers? You know, when, when they first signed him and the deal looked like it was $10 million, you thought, 
Okay, you know, he followed the money. The deal is actually like one and a half for two million, right? I mean, it is not actually <laughs> that big of a deal. So, I mean, does Flowers make the team? I definitely think so. Just like with Wes Schweitzer as a backup, quality backup, I think that's the way you go. Because Eric Flowers, I do feel good about that. I don't think his versatility goes that much into it because we've seen him at tackle. Where yeah. like you know, let's let's keep him that where he's good at. And obviously, right. he didn't grade all that well last year with Miami. We've all seen the PFF grades um, lacking, especially in uh, run in pass blocking for a guard. But he played well with this unit the last time he was with him with them, especially with Chase Royer just got an extension last season. So plugging him in right there would be great. I just don't know if he's better than Sadiq Charles, because I know that we've only seen Sadiq for two snaps. He's got to stay healthy. I'm all for it. But I like just by my pre-draft breakdown of him, of all the film I watched, I was very adamant when we drafted him saying, dude, this is a guard. Like, I understand that we all want him to be a left tackle. We would love for that yeah. to happen. But his skill set is best fit for a guard right away. And I think that he could be a real, like, great guard, like Brandon Sheriff type guard. Um, and so I'm hoping that he gets it because I think that this could really do some damage. Sheriff is a lock, obviously. Yeah. Sheriff is the, the, the one good thing if they decide to play Cosme. The nice thing is they have Sheriff there, which makes me feel a whole lot better. But yeah. frankly, whoever plays right tackle. The last spot on that line, you brought up Rulier. I think he's a top five center in the league. I think they got him for pennies on the yep. dollar. The new staff has been really smart about the deals they've handed out and what they look like. The interesting thing about center and I, I actually was surprised. I, I was happy when they gave him that deal because I like him. I was surprised, though, because I've talked to plenty of people, as I'm sure you have. The team is high on Keith Ishmael. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and his versatility. So I'm assuming they'll find a spot for him on the roster. I, I'm just counting them up here. We got uh, one, two, three guarantees. Tyler Lawson Larson is the other one. Right. And, and again, he must go to the practice squad or get cut because yep. there's no way you can keep three centers because I'm looking, you got yep. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight offensive linemen we think are locks, and that's without Ishmael. So, I mean, you start talking about roster breakdown and construction. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting piece. to see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I guess that's why they kind of made their way with Morgan Moses. I guess you could say they felt comfortable with the depth and how many guys that they had there. And they knew what was going to be coming around the corner come training camp when they had to make these cuts because there's going to be some good guys let go. But uh, I think that makes the most sense. I think that the Sharp, Sharp probably most likely gone. I think that Wes Martin most is most definitely gone. Um, and then from there, I think that you're going to have Cosme slot in as the backup right tackle. You're going to have Wes Schweitzer as the backup right, uh, left, uh, right guard behind Sheriff. You're going to have Ruye and then Ishmael. And then you're going to have Sadiq Charles, Eric Flowers. And then you're going to have Leno and Lucas. Well, Leno, not, Lucas being the swing. It's not, it's not necessarily loaded with top-end talent. I'd suggest it's the deepest offensive line yeah. we've had in years. And it's music to my ears. It is. It is. And I keep saying this, and I think it's important to remember, with the extra game, man, that depth is going to be important. Yeah. You know, we're not used to that. We're not thinking about it. But uh, you, you think about how banged up teams are already. Throw another game in there, and I think that depth is going to be really important. Yeah, but thank goodness the bye week is slammed right in the middle of the season, man. Uh, it was perfect. 
Yeah, imagine if they would have given us like week four or five again. Yeah. You know, and, and the other thing is because of the Thursday night game early in the season, yeah. it's not like they gave them to us back to back. That actually kind of separates them out. So it's like having two bye weeks. It we're really fortunate that way with the schedule breakdown. Yeah, and the I'm other, glad that they booked the Bills early in the season. I'm glad. That uh, yes, the Bills are one of the tougher games that we have this year. This could it's you one imagine the, if they had to go in like December, November? Uh, right. Yeah, cold up there. Yeah. The other position we're getting to today is the running back position. It, it seems fairly straightforward. Gibson, McKissick. Uh, but then after that, you know, it's interesting. Uh, shout out to the Sway 21 uh, guys. Mm. They did a cut up the other day of Barber. I hadn't paid attention. They did a nice job of this. They actually had put him in a, in a potential cut. But the more I watched him, he was sudden. Through the uh, the line, I know you watch tend to watch more tape than I do. I'm curious what you think about him. He was shiftier than I expected for a man that was supposed to be the the two yard pickup guy. Yeah, and I know that he came into minicamp uh, underweight. They he lost weight. He slimmed down. He looked really good. He has a more toned body. Everyone remembers not to talk about his body. It's just weird. But last season he was kind of like the bulkier, you no know, thick husky, yeah. I guess you could say. But he came in more toned. And I know JP Finley because I listen on 1067 religiously, and he said um. He asked Ron Rivera about it. You know, do you kind of worry that it kind of takes away from his role? And Ron said, heck no. Yeah, he's performing really well. He's still – he actually got faster and generates more power by losing that weight because it, it takes less to be able to generate off of his feet and his muscles. So he's more powerful now. And so I think with Peyton Barber, I think he is slotted as that, you know, short yardage type of back. But I would not be surprised if Jarrett Patterson takes it. But it's going to come down to his pass blocking, Doug. Now, based off the film that I watched of him, uh, pass blocking was his biggest concern. He got blown up one time and nearly smacked into the back of the quarterback. So he, that's something he's got to work on. If you're going to depend on that in the middle of a game, you got to be able to pass block well. Every running back coach is going to stress that. If you want playing time, you got to block well. So for right now, I think Peyton Barber is that short yardage guy. But, man, would I love to see Jared Patterson out there because they like him, do they? What, they compared him to Darren Sproles? Yes, they did. And the guys that watch tape were a big fan, right? I mean, everybody's yeah. in love with Patterson being able to get him uh, for nothing. What did – how did we get him as an undrafted free agent if everybody's telling me at the same time how good he is? What what, what did people miss I think what missed on film was that his offensive line was ridiculously good. When you watch that one game where – how many touchdowns did he have, like eight or something like that? It was something yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in that game, if you watch it, they the offensive line generates holes big enough for a semi-truck to drive through. It's ridiculous. Okay. And so because of that, it's every game. And I'm, we had Logan Paulson on not too long ago, and he watched all Jared Patterson's tape, and he said the same thing we did. He was like, he was like I don't know why, but Buffalo's offensive line – are gigantic and they just move everyone out of the way every single game he watched they were just pushing guys out the way with ease and so I guess with that it kind of fell into the fray his potential with Jarrett Patterson I do I do see the kind of sudden quick steps that he does take but I kind of compared him to Alfred Morris in his running style where it's kind of like the one hit the one look bam go and uh, being able to uh, not like he's not like Barry Sanders with his feet but he can hit you with that counter step and get you pretty good. That's why I, I kind of compared him to Alfred. I miss seeing Alfred waddling down the field. <laughs> he had the funniest run stride I've ever yeah, seen in my did. life. Does it bother you? Does it concern you that Gibson is still talking about this turf toe, right? 
it's in my understanding still got the steel plate in there i don't i have not heard anybody say why he opted uh out of surgery maybe you have but does it give you pause that we're still dealing with this thing a year later no, because turf toe, gener- you know, Doug, generally goes longer than expected. It lingers, right? And I think that I think Antonio Gibson kind of saw what everyone was saying on social media, uh, having that steel whatever thing in his in his toe, and um, and it was slowing him down a little bit. It looked like he was walking gingerly on it. And I saw a video yesterday where he was speeding around the line of scrimmage on like it looked like a toss or a stretch play. He he had all the acceleration, the agility was there, the speed was there. So he looks normal, in my opinion, and I truly believe they wouldn't be so upfront and talking about it if he wasn't close to being done with it. I feel like he's on the last stretch. But that being said, it is it is a concern because my father-in-law, the colonel, he commented to us two months ago, what what if Antonio Gibson gets injured, what now? You know, because the running back room is pretty thin, and, he, and he's right. So it is definitely a concern. Uh, the only reason I was actually talking to my brother about this the other day the only reason I'm not super concerned about Gibson is that the team obviously is right. Right. I mean, they did not add anybody in free agency. They did not draft anybody. There were, and there were options to them when they were drafting. I mean, yeah. I, I thought sermon at the fourth or fifth, wherever he yep. got taken from Ohio state would have been a great pickup. They opted not to. So their, their non issue, I guess should be our non issue because they certainly didn't make it one. Not even just the draft, Doug. I mean, even free agency, they haven't brought in Todd Gurley. They haven't brought in these big-name guys that are still available at free agency. But so, like, to your point, if they were that concerned about Antonio Gibson, they probably would bring a vet in, right? Logic. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's do this. I've been playing this game on Fridays called Call Me Crazy. I'll (laughs) make some comments, and you'll tell me if I'm crazy or not. Uh, Malene makes call me crazy. Malene makes the final fifty-three. Hmm. I don't think you're crazy. I don't, and the reason why I don't think you're crazy is because it's the youth movement, and I know AGG has done well, but I honestly, I know everyone keeps talking about Adam Humphreys as a lock for the roster, and I know he is great nickname in Hump, but. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went towards the youth movement, Doug, to your point. So, no, I don't think you're crazy for thinking that. You know, I've been on the record saying I don't think Humphreys makes the team, yep. and that's why, because they're going young. And I forget who it was, but I think it was on your show that you had somebody on after the draft at, who was raving about Moline. Was that you guys? Yeah, I think so. Um, I forget who it was. And about the, about the fact that that dude just caught everything up at BYU. I think it was like AJ Schulter, Schulte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is who it was. But because um, there were there were two that I remember that guy, he was high on Moline and he was super high on Bates. Yeah. If I recall right, guys oh, yeah, that yeah, caught yeah. everything, right? Yeah, and I, I right. remember watching film on Milnes. I will say that I, I know it's kind of crazy to say they don't have the same height, the body type, but like when I watched his film, Doug, dude, I'm, I saw Adam Thielen – I saw the smooth route running. I saw the consistent and soft hands. It just reminded me of Thielen and him being a seventh-round pick, and the team was quite open about it by saying, we didn't want undrafted free agents. Like We didn't want other teams having a bidding on our guys, so we just traded back into the seventh and took our guys anyway. And so it kind of has the same recipe as Adam Thielen, in my, in my honest opinion. Milne could be one of those guys that just ends up blossoming. Call me crazy. Fitzpatrick throws for over 4,000 yards this season. 
No, I don't think you're crazy. That's not. It's it's easy to do that in the NFL now. You know, like if you if you can't throw for four thousand yards, you're probably not going to be a quarterback for very long unless you're winning games. So it shouldn't, especially now with added all of the weapons, especially with Mike Jacecki having a great year with Ryan Fitzpatrick last season. I think Logan Thomas could take a huge step forward, and that's not even including Terry and Curtis Samuel and adding with the Miami Brown. Where Doug, we've talked about this. They were bottom three in their yards per attempt through the air last season. So they went out, they got the gunslinger, they went out and got the guy who averaged 20 points, uh, 20 yards per catch last season in college football with Diami Brown. So they really went to their strengths, and t- they really fixed their weaknesses and made it into a strength. So I do think they're going to target down the field a lot more this season. So, yeah, 4,000 I think is easy. Uh, and, of course, to get there, he'll have to play the whole yes. season, and that's kind of – was the the lead in there because the Heineke high was out today. You know that you were on Twitter with me today. <laughs> they're, they're very excited about Heineke. I'm not sure that I see it. What say you, my friend? Um, so like I understand what Ron's doing. Like I've I've known for the while for a while that this is going to be a competition, regardless of how much you want to put weight into the actual verbiage of competition, but. There is a chance for Taylor Heineke. I can guarantee you Scott Turner is in Ron Rivera's ear. And, you know, give my boy a chance. Just give him a little bit of a chance. Just a little chance. And and so with that being said, Ron's pr- recent comments, I think, were pointed. And I think they were pointed at Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was throwing the ball willy-nilly. He was kind of carefree. You know, he's been on social media smiling. Everything's a good old happy time. And I think Ron said that, that there's an open quarterback competition to kind of light a fire under Ryan Fitzpatrick going into training camp saying, look, it's been easy going. It's been fun so far. You th- I know that you were just trying to gel with your guys, see what they're capable of, but it's time to start getting into work. So when you show up for training camp, I'm letting you know it's going to be a competition. You better be ready. That's how I kind of viewed it. Kyle, call me crazy, but Landon Collins does not end up on the final 53-man roster. I do think that's crazy. As much as I don't want to admit it, I do, just because of the dollar amount. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, that's a that's a big money price right there. And I I feel like the powers that be just don't want to see that money walk without getting something in return. I think Jack Del Rio and Ron are, are smart enough to be able to come up with some sort of sort of system and plays to be able to work landing in with everyone else and make it work well. It'll be interesting to see how he accepts a demotion, if you will. Because yeah. maybe we've all got it wrong, but I mean, I can't imagine that they're not, you know, he's not, they're not sitting Cam Curl back down on the bench. There's just no way. Uh, and I mean, I, I don't think anybody on the team thinks that he can play free safety. Although I didn't think the Chaser ever could play free safety. And, and they got him in the starting role. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But there's no way he's on the roster for two more years, right? No, I don't think so. No. Call me crazy, but in the nickel, St. Juice will start off the year on the boundary and they'll kick Fuller inside. Yes, absolutely, without a doubt. Without a freaking doubt. Uh, when I watched his film, uh, Ben St. Juice, he reminds me um, a lot. Like, he's a press man. He does really well at press man. But one of the things that really took me by surprise was they would use him in really strong sets. So, like, let's say they would have two wide receivers to the left. They would have their tight end to the right side of the formation, kind of go a heavy set to the right. What they would do is they would allow their other corners go on those wide receivers, and they would put St. Juice on the tight end. 
knowing that that was a mismatch, but knowing that Ben St. Juice is that good, he could take on that kind of height, that kind of weight, no problem. And so with him going to the outside, he's not going to be intimidated whatsoever, especially with this defense. He's he's never had a defense like quite like this. So him going to that outside is going to be perfect. He's long. He's lean. He's good at the point of attack. He's got a little scrimmage. Brandon Brown or Richard yes. Sherman in him, yes. right? I mean, is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. Right there and, and, and that's another one that uh, a lot of us didn't see, but the guys that study and pound the film love that guy. He's a Minnesota kid, right? Yeah, and Logan Thomas uh, called into the junkies this morning, and what he said about Benjamin St. Juice is, the kid doesn't know it yet, but he's going to be damn good, uh, is what, what his uh, quotes were. So that's high praise. Yeah, I think the coaching staff does too. Yep. All right, last one. Call me crazy, but they give Sheriff a long-term deal after all. I do think you're crazy. I do. I think they've geared up with Eric Flowers and Sadiq Charles and guys, and they're going to uh, figure out a way to go in the future. Unless unless he's willing to work. I do think that Morgan Moses goes a lot into it because they were very close. And I feel like I really – truly believe that Morgan Moses was told what was going to happen back in January and he knew it was going to happen because they did the same thing with Ryan Kerrigan and that was probably around the same time that they had given the contract to Brandon Sheriff and he declined it because maybe Brandon is thinking in his head he's like man I, I, I want to go with my boy you know why don't we go team up somewhere I don't want to sign I'll just stay here for the year after that we'll meet up uh, and so th- that kind of worries me a little bit but I do think that they are geared for success, especially at that spot. We're getting some beef eaters down there, like Keith, uh, Keith Ishmael uh, and uh, Eric Flowers. So I do think they're set up for it in the future. I do think it's crazy. And and does that and does that matter to you? Would you prefer? I don't know if we've ever had that conversation. You prefer that he walks, and you save the fifteen, sixteen million a year, whatever it is, or you would have much preferred to have him for the next four or five years. I think that what they did is very strategic, and I think they would have done what I would have done, which is giving him this deal with the 18 mil this year. I know everyone calls it crazy, but it is a prove it. If you cannot get injured this season, if you can come to work, be a leader, do really well, then yeah, sure, you're going to get that contract extension. I just don't have the most confidence in that being able to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. One last one I have not asked you. What do you think the, the record is? What What is reasonable for the record next year? I think it's going to be in the positive, no doubt. And I think that the bare minimum for this team, the expectation should be making the playoffs and winning the division. I'm not settling for anything below that. What they showed last season with four different quarterbacks, that's so hard to do, man. Not that many teams could win seven games. And I know the division was putrid. You could say what you want about the opponents or whatever have you. Not that many teams could play with that many quarterbacks the way that the quarterbacks played and still be able to win that many games. I truly believe that was special. They're onto something and they built the right ways. And so I think that they really did well at rebuilding their team for bargain prices and getting really good value for all their picks. I think this team is on the rise, a very quick rise. And I think that them going to the playoffs last season really pole vaulted their future from not saying extending in the playoffs is going to happen in two or three years. I think it's going to happen this year. Uh, I lied. One last one. What do you think the Jonathan Allen contract's going to look like? Whew. Uh, what is a what's Aaron at twenty two? I think it is. Yeah, and what's his what's his name? Because well, I've been saying this. The guy from uh, Leonard Williams, I think, just mm. signed for nineteen yeah, yeah. or twenty something like that. 
and probably John will probably get less because I don't think John had the same amount of sacks as Leonard Williams. I think Leonard Williams had a really good year last year, if I'm not mistaken. He was a really he good force. Uh, so Jonathan probably should probably be around 16, 17, if we're going to be honest about it. Now, honestly, I, I would say I'd be surprised for that because I feel like John's going to take a team-friendly deal. I think he's oh. going to try to keep the, the band together, you know? And I would really love to see them – front load his contract this year with all that extra cap money they have in 20 million front load it and that way when you do resign Deron Payne these other guys you're not getting killed for it at that same time Kyle thank you so much tell the folks at home where they can find you and what y'all got coming up next of course you can find me on Twitter at the Burgundy Zone uh, at also on Instagram and Facebook we are on all platforms you can if you like video and the obviously the podcast view you can go to YouTube we're on there but also on Spotify Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts we're all over the place dude you can uh, you can't find us not anywhere we're everywhere you guys are the best as far as I'm concerned and uh, I appreciate you coming on today iron sharpens iron doesn't it Doug yes sir Thank, Thank you, buddy. You. Appreciate you. Appreciate you.